Welcome to another episode of Campus Life, uh, the college half of our flagship pod here at Campus Canton. As always, I am Austin. And this is Colin. Uh, full slate of games is almost done. We're recording this uh, at the starting at the end of the second quarter here of this Clemson-Duke uh, game. But the rest of the games are done. Uh, we have a lot more information that we had a week ago. Uh, we still don't have enough information, in my opinion, to, <laughs> but never but, enough, but that's what we're going to do on tonight's show. We're going to try to get to the bottom of some of the things that happened this weekend. Uh, some of the more important ones, at least, um, real quick before we hop into the show, uh, Colin, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the tailgate, which, uh, I was, uh, uh, happy enough to be on this week and, and hopefully for the rest of the season. Uh, 10 a.m. Uh, Eastern every single Saturday morning kicks off the day. We cover everything. I mean, I think we did a really good job last week with giving out betting stuff. I believe Chris and Nick both went 4-0 on their best picks for the day. Uh, we gave out a ton of prize pick stuff, uh, you know, start sits. So I, I, it's a really cool show. It's on our YouTube page. It's on the Better Sports uh, Network YouTube page. Go ahead, check it out on either of those. Um, might as well just subscribe over there, you know. May as well. And While you're there, notifications. Then you, you get you know when we're going live anyway. I don't mm -hmm. remind you every single week. Uh, and just real quick, guys. Uh, the other thing that I want to talk about real quick before we start the show. If you're an NIL or All Twenty Two member at Campus DeCanton and you do not have access to the collective podcast feed, which is our our premium podcast feed for you guys, please reach out and let us know. We'll confirm that that you are in fact a member, and then we'll make sure you're set up with the RSS feed. Just looking at the download member numbers compared to how many of you guys there are that I know there are, and how many people are <laughs> are, are listening to the episodes every single week, um, you guys are missing out. I mean, Matt Waldman, Matt yeah. Waldman, freaking Matt Waldman does a show on there every single week just for you guys. Just, I mean, it's, it's really really only cool. for NIL members. I exactly. can't scan. Those are the only people who get to hear these thoughts. Exactly, uh, Nelly does his strategy show, which he did. Uh, he introduced, he didn't interrupt. So last week I thought was really good. Yeah. Uh, and then um, I do one too. <laughs> Stop it. Stop. That's it. okay. Stop that one was it. all right. Um, that one dropped I, to, to uh, dropped this morning. Yep. 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 Um, so go ahead. Uh, you can give that a listen as well. I go, it's my biggest takeaways from the week. I go pretty in depth. So uh, as much as I can for 133 teams, you know, I, I pick out the important stuff and we, we move from there. So it's going it, to, we I talk on some of these topics we're talking about here tonight. Uh, one or two of them are, are, are new to me, um, but I'm probably going to go more into depth on them over there. So go ahead uh, and check that out as well. Uh, without further ado, week one in review, Colin, let's get to it. A couple different topics for us here tonight. The first one, is not Colorado, but we are going to talk about that here uh, and how we're both going to be eating crow uh, <laughs> in a bit. Uh, I actually want to talk about the FSU-LSU game beyond the fact that it's just fun to go FSU-LSU. Um, easily the best game of the weekend. I know, Colin, you said you didn't get to watch a ton of the games, but you did get mm -hmm. to watch some because you were um, just traveling the countryside. Mm -hmm. Did you watch the Florida State game? Yeah, I did. So we were... Um... We didn't leave until this morning. Our flight out was at 9 a.m. So I got to watch the whole game yesterday. Like we didn't worry about it at all. So it was nice. It was it was a great game. Like I said, yeah. best game of the weekend. Really high quality football. Um, 
especially uh, th- like there were some week one mistakes. Florida State for at least one or two drives was overly aggressive, mm-hmm. uh, committed a bunch of personal fouls. But I mean, in terms of week one football, this was about as good as you're going to get. Uh, Florida State won 45-24. Sorry if anybody had that uh, recorded and we're going to go back and watch it. Um, I like. Let's start off with the quarterback performances here. You know, both QBs, I, I don't think either quarterback actually played poorly in this game. And I want to no. emphasize that because Travis did play better and obviously Florida State won. So he's going to get uh, some of the accolades here. I don't think either quarterback played bad. Let's start with Jaden Daniels, the losing QB here. I don't think he was the problem for LSU last night. There were a lot I mean, statistically for him, uh, 22 for 37, 347 yards passing, one touchdown, one interception. Uh, took a couple of sacks, uh, ran for uh, 60 yards uh, as well. They The pass blocking was not great. I think he saved them many times with his escapability and ability to you know, maneuver the pocket, get out of the pocket, throw on the run. Shouldn't have. Yes. Um, but I also think his receivers didn't give him a lot of help. I don't know exactly how many drops they had, but it had to have been five to seven at least. Uh, amongst the group, the interception was actually not his fault. His receiver slipped and fell. Um, so, I mean, I I, I get kicking Jaden Daniels when he's down because he's had some bad performances in the past. Is the fun and the easy and the trendy thing to do. But we are not going to do that here on this show tonight. I was not discouraged by what I saw. I'm not going to say encouraged, but I was not discouraged by what I saw out of Jaden Daniels last night. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say he was good, but you're right. He wasn't the problem. The interception was not his fault. Neighbors slipped uh, on a comeback route, and they, it was just sitting right there for the the corner uh, for the taking. And then he did bail them out uh, a couple of times because that pass blocking was not particularly good. Now, Florida State does have Jared Verse, who came back. He was somebody who was widely regarded. It could have been a first-round pick last year, uh, is back. So he's one of the better pass rushers in the country. Um, and then they also have a couple other solid players on the, across that D-line. So I think it's it's just Florida State is a really good team. Um, you know, people have been talking about them being a potential playoff team. And we're sitting here watching this Clemson game. And uh, I don't know if <laughs> Florida State Clemson is going to be interesting. But I think Florida State just kind of outclassed them. And that doesn't mean Daniels was bad. That doesn't mean you need to yank him and throw Garrett Nussmeyer out there. Because I actually don't think Nussmeyer would have helped that much in this game because he doesn't have that same level of escapability that Daniels does where he could buy some time. Um, So it's definitely a situation to keep monitoring as they go forward because uh, LSU does have a very good backup quarterback, but I'm, I still think Jane Daniels is going to be the starter. I wouldn't really panic too much on him or even really the LSU team in the season. There were some interesting coaching decisions. We don't need to get too far into it last night from LSU, but I think the running back rotation was a little odd. I thought, obviously, playing Harold Perkins off ball defensively, probably not the smartest move in the world, considering he might be the best pass rusher in the country. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, just, just, you know, they lost by enough that I don't think you can say that Brian Kelly and and company lost it for him, but they certainly didn't uh, help things there for them. Jordan Travis, uh, Jaden Daniels' counterpart there, uh, 23 for 31, 342 yards, four touchdowns, one interception. Uh, I thought he stunk in the first half. And then he was basically mistake-free in the second half. Um, they've built this offense perfectly for him, Yeah, quite honestly. 
what is Jordan? I, I think Jordan Travis, what he's really good at is buying a little bit of extra time and then kind of hitting some of those deep guys downfield on those 50-50 balls because with the receivers that they have, it's really more of a 60-40-70-30 yeah. <laughs> type jump ball for Johnny Wilson, for Keon Coleman. And that's what they did last night. A lot of his deeper, bigger plays were him buying a little bit of time, making the first defender, maybe even a second defender miss, and finding a guy downfield. So, um, you know, Heisman campaign, I actually think this is a pretty good kickoff because this is probably the highest profile win uh, that you're going to see this weekend. Um, but in terms of like uh, a, a scouting performance, I don't know that it uh, really moved the needle at all for me. And not that we're drawing large uh, scale kind of opinions on just the first week, but I think it kind of solidified after we what we've seen over the past couple of years from him that he's not like that first round guy. He's probably like a third round NFL draft pick. Yeah, I, like you said, it was, you know, kind of a Heisman campaign and that was my thought going into this game, like if Jaden Daniels was really going to have a shot at it, he needed to have a big statement game. And this was the perfect opportunity for them to do that. So, you know, yeah, he had a, uh, a great game, um, a Heisman caliber performance from him, especially in the second half. Like, you know, the first half was definitely a little shaky. Um, but I, I think that, this offense is pretty perfect for him and this team and, and Jaden Daniels is going to, or uh, Jordan Travis is going to be a force moving forward, but that doesn't erase who he is as a player. Um, so even if he does have a, a Heisman caliber campaign, I, I don't see him being somebody that the NFL is going to love um, given his limitations. I do just want to ask about some of the disappointing performances on the night here, Colin, from some guys that I think the Debbie community at large Likes quite a bit. Malik Neighbors, the LSU wide receiver, um, six for 62, uh, didn't score a touchdown, or six for 67, I believe. Uh, mm -hmm. I know touchdowns there. Um, he's very, from, uh, like, each snap, it, you don't quite know what's going to happen with him. Sometimes his, his his technique looks pretty good. He gets open pretty easily. Um other times, I think he really struggles to separate, and he doesn't do well through contact, in my opinion, which is actually something, like, at times he will. When he has to go up and get it, he does. He fights well through contact, but if it's like one of those kind of body shots where he's going across the middle, he doesn't seem to handle those as well. Something to work on. I, I don't know. You know, I think that's something that can be fixed, but he's not great at it right now. I think I definitely think he's more of a day-two wide receiver at this point. I, I don't see him going day one. Um, but he did look like he was much – all the receivers looked like they were on the same page with Jaden Daniels way more than they did week one last year. So I, I I, can't help but feel – I mean, not like the SEC is getting a ton easier than than what they've played against Florida State this weekend, but I think they'll have uh, a fighter's chance in, in pretty much any game they play because they look way more uh, together this year offensively than they did last year. Yeah, I, I think that they they do look better than they did last year, and I think that's going to help neighbors to have a better year um and moving forward uh, i'm not overly worried about neighbors yes there are the limitations that he has are still there he's not the most physical um receiver i don't think he's like a, a difference maker uh of a wide receiver like he is just in my mind a very good number two receiver for the nfl level um he seems like the type of guy who it's going to be a second receiver for your NFL for an NFL team, probably like a wide receiver three for your fantasy team. And like, that just feels like the range that he's going to settle in. And there's nothing wrong with that, 
but we have been saying it throughout the off season that I think the hype on neighbors kind of jumped the shark a little bit. And, and not that this was a, a bad performance for him, you know, other than slipping and falling and, and causing that interception, which not really, you know, it, he's it not really a guy that like falls over a lot. Yeah. Either. So it's it, not it like happens. this is like a reoccurring issue with him. And you're like, dude, yeah. just stay on your feet. Yeah, it, it happens. So like, that's fine. I don't really blame him for that. Um, so I, I, there will be better performances moving forward. And, and even as early as this coming week against Grambling. So um, I, I, this doesn't really change anything for me on neighbors. Uh, the other guy that I think was a little disappointing was Trey Benson on the opposite side of things. And it didn't end up really mattering because uh, just they have so many other weapons in the backfield is deep enough, quite frankly, that even if he's not super effective in any particular game, they can still roll somebody else out there, which is what they did with Lawrence Toofili last night. Mm-hmm. Um, had had one of the funniest plays we're going to see all year where he got flung at the goal line after a long run. Did you see that? Yeah, he like should have scored and then he got just grabbed and thrown. I was waiting for them to show that replay, but LSU was moving too quick. It was it was really, really funny. Um, if you can go find the clip, I think that no context uh, college football account uh, tweeted it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he like bounces and then like slides and like it's it's very very I, i've never really seen a guy do that uh yeah. getting tackled before um but yeah benson uh fewer than 50 yards uh rushing last night um 12 for four, 12 carries 47 yards no touchdowns um rodney hill and toa Feely i thought were a little more impressive than him um i don't know colin i mean i think the things that he does so well is is you know force missed tackles but I think he causes a lot of the problems himself. Granted, when you get him one-on-one with someone, he's going to win it every single time, like yeah. just straight up. But I think sometimes he struggles to kind of get out and force those matchups himself. Not always, but I think sometimes. And he does it enough where I think the NFL is going to take notice of it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that he's – he's a pretty good athlete, but he's not um, you know, so amazing that I think he can always rely on that as kind of his ace up his sleeve to, to get to space. Yeah, I, I had a feeling that Benson was going to struggle tonight. Uh, I, he was one of my sits um, last, or night, last night. Right. Yeah, um, so he was one of my sits. So, you know, hit on that one. And, you know, he LSU, even without Mason Smith, just has a good D line. They have a good front seven. Um, they brought in Spates from uh, Oregon State. He's a solid linebacker as well. Like they just have a, a good front seven. So I had a feeling he would kind of struggle a little bit. It was a bit of a rotation at the running back position too. Um, You know, he did force Benson did miss two forced tackles uh, during the game, which like you said, that's kind of his calling card a little bit. Um, I mean, I think he was in in the limited touches that he got. He had some nice, uh, some nice runs uh, up the middle and stuff, but yes, he does struggle to create on his own. And I think that is something that is going to impact him at the next level. I, I think the the hype on Benson also, like neighbors, kind of jumped the shark this offseason because we're searching for other guys in this class. We talked about it all offseason. There's so many guys that left, and it's so it left such a void and, and a lot of uncertainty at the skill positions, especially for fantasy, that we kind of propped some guys up that maybe shouldn't have been. Like they're good players, but they aren't top 10 players, you know, and I think neighbors and Benson both fall into those categories. And I think we both saw tonight 
some of their limitations when they play good teams. And that's not to say Benson's a bad player. It's not to say he's not going to have some good games moving forward, but he struggles to create for himself. We saw it tonight and that's going to ultimately limit him uh, at the next level as well, where why, I think, why do you want to keep saying this game was tonight? Because we usually record on Sundays. <laughs> you just keep saying, yeah, like, <laughs> did you not sleep last night? Like, is this all just morphing into one day? I'm just very confused why day. you keep going back to tonight and it's not tonight. It's not um, tonight. last night. Last for night. what it's worth, I generally am just extremely skeptical of PFF grades to the point where I don't really use them for anything except for just to generally judge offensive line play yeah. because yeah. I, just don't know um but trey benson if you are a big fan of pff grades graded the worst of any running back uh or player that got a rushing uh snap uh for florida state last night so not a great uh uh day for him 30 yards after contact and this is what yeah (laughs) and this is what we're talking about 30 yards after contact last night on 12 touches um i mean rot the other guys in the team were, were were nowhere close to that on on basically like you know hill had five and he had 13 yards before contact and jordan and jordan travis had six he had fewer than that i mean it's just it's i i don't know i don't know i don't know i I don't i don't don't always know what he's doing yeah um he'll he's fine he's fine and he'll be fine at the next level but he's not this stud that people were kind of propping him up to be the other question I have for you, Colin, revolves around the two Florida State running back or yeah, running backs, wide receivers, mm-hmm. uh, Keon Coleman, Johnny Wilson, were the two guys that were the most heavily targeted to the point where I'm wondering if this is a pretty consolidated target share all season. Wilson had nine. Coleman had 11. They used Wilson a little more in a possession role, uh, which I thought was interesting. Seven catches on nine targets for him, 104 yards. Uh, didn't score, um, but but overall not a bad night for him. It had a couple of drops that I'm sure he wants back. Uh, his a dot was actually a little higher than Keon Coleman, but don't get it confused. Coleman was definitely the guy that was used downfield mm-hmm. uh, more, and he had nine catches for 122 yards and three touchdowns. Thought it was interesting because uh, Wilson A has filled that role, and they've also kind of used him in the red zone, and they went to Coleman for both in this game. Yeah. So, I mean, Wilson still got targets, and uh, obviously seven for 104 is not a bad game, especially if you're playing PPR. You know, you're getting close to 20 points there. But if he's not getting those kind of high value looks that he was getting last year, I definitely think it hurts him as a CFF option this year. Um, And I am just interested to see what it means for him in terms of draft stock moving forward. I I don't know how much it would impact him overall, but I do think if they're putting him in these situations and he can't catch the ball, he had... I don't I, I, let me see they, how many drops they credit him for two drops, which is garbage, which that's something I was gonna bring up. He had definitely more than two drops. Yeah. yeah. Like balls just hitting him right in his hands, like nobody yeah. on him. Like it so it, it was it was pretty bad. Yeah, and that's the, the interesting thing that I took away from this is is that role change that Keon Coleman is essentially operating in the role that Johnny Wilson operated in last year, and Johnny Wilson is operating in more of that possession role when that is not his strength that is not something he can really do we saw he has trouble with the easy catches he like really struggles with concentration drops like that's got to be what it is because it hits him in the hands and he's dropping it he like you often see him already looking up field but he had when you throw a ball up to him you put one downfield like he can make some spectacular catches he tracks the ball very well in the air so they're not using him 
in the best of ways. And now Keon Coleman looked really good tonight in the, in that or last night, every time looked really good last I, night. I just, my <laughs> mind is blown by this, that you just can't get these two days straight. Um, he looked really good. I'm going to be, I'm going to be messed up all week with labor day, but um, he looked really good in that role last night. So it's hard to fault them for using Keon Coleman in that more of a downfield uh, and red zone role. Um, it's hard to argue with three touchdowns, but it's interesting to see what it's going to do to Johnny Wilson moving forward. Like you said, like how does that impact his draft stock and his CFF value, which I never really thought he had that much CFF value this year, but um, draft stock is going to be really interesting. Coleman, I think we saw the good last night was that, uh, that, that first touchdown that he scored, that was, I don't know, 50 ish yard touchdown mm -hmm. catch and run where he, caught it immediately made it kind of sidestep the defender made a guy miss and then took it home um i thought that was really really good i hadn't quite seen that out of him before um and then obviously his winning at the catch point what i don't think we really saw any of last night was him separating which is still going to be the big question for him mm -hmm. um so i think you know there, there's a couple of these guys that are kind of bigger downfield players um that that aren't great separators in this class you got him you've got uh, A.D. Mitchell, you've got, in my opinion, J. Michael, Michael Sturdivant, you've got um, uh, even a Dunze at times, and even, quite frankly, I think Harrison is obviously like the elite elite of that group, like he can separate, but I would almost bucket him in with those guys where he's better mm -hmm. if you're hitting him deep, kind mm -hmm. of making him make the spectacular catch, and then maybe he's not doing as much after the catch. I think he probably falls into that category overall, even though like he kind of almost transcends that category because he can do some other stuff too if you need him to. So I mean, I th it's a it's a huge group of those guys in mm -hmm. this class. I'm really interested to see exactly what the NFL thinks uh, of some of them because I, I don't know what what they're going to be thinking. Uh, really, Mitchell and and Coleman are the two guys that I don't know what they'll think. Mm -hmm. And they are only third year players. They do not have to come out this year if they don't right. want. I am anticipating that they will want to, but I, I don't know that for sure. Yeah, especially if Coleman keeps having the type of performances that he had. Um, well, Florida State loses it, everybody. So there's like yeah. no incentive to hang around there, really, unless they yeah. just hit the portal and rebuild the entire team in one offseason again, which they could. But I mean, yeah, it's exactly. Tough to do. Um, but yeah, I, I think that it's a really interesting um, contrast to last year's wide receiver class where there really wasn't any of these bigger ex traditional wide receivers. And this class does seem to have more of those guys. So how the NFL is going to evaluate and stack all of those guys up together, I think is going to be a really interesting and fun conversation to have as we get into the draft process. That's why I think Xavier worthy holds an interesting value uh, in this draft because yeah. he's the only guy that does what he does really uh, in this group. So uh, yeah. he could go earlier than maybe he ought to uh, for that reason alone, essentially scarcity mm -hmm. uh, in this year's draft. If you're looking for uh speedy, you know, either hit him deeper or make or hit him at the line of scrimmage kind of guy. Yeah. Um, let's move on to Colorado here. We buried the lead a little bit, I suppose. I think this is probably the biggest story uh, in college football this weekend. Uh, yeah. We both watched this game. I think, you know, if you're a college football fan, you probably did. Um, and Colorado looked significantly better than I think we all anticipated. I think specifically the offensive line was way better than I yes. thought they were going to be. Yep. I thought that offensive line would be really, really rough. I thought Shador would have a lot less time to work and kind of he's not great when you're moving him off his spot, as we saw this weekend, outside of like that one throw that he kind of like 
shimmied and shake and he like ran forward and then he stepped back and he, he, he completed the pass downfield. Uh, but other than that, like he's not great out of structure. Um, but they, they couldn't really TCU couldn't get to him. And I'd, I, it's one week of data points. So now I'm just curious, like, is this a TCU issue or is this the Colorado's offensive line is way better? Cause I think that changes the calculus a little bit. Now they weren't good run blocking at all. This team straight up cannot run the football, no. which could be an issue. And it could have been an issue in this game if TCU hadn't thrown that early interception in the red zone and got up and kind of made them play catch up a little bit. I'm wondering if we would have had a different game, but that's not what we got. We got a Colorado team that was able to be the aggressor for a lot of it. Uh, and it paid off. I mean, Shador five, over 500 yards passing, four players with 100 yards receiving, including true freshman running back Dylan Edwards. Uh, probably probably will be his best performance of the season. Um, but I mean, just uh, a, a, a souped up version of what we expected, even with Sean Lewis there and us basically preaching all offseason, like there's going to be a ton of volume here and they're going to play fast. Like it, it was this was that on steroids. Yeah, we knew they were going to play fast. We knew they were going to sling the ball all over the place. And that's what we saw. Uh, what we didn't know was the offensive line, like you already talked about, which they looked way better than we kind of expected them to. Um, how and how this team was going to gel. And I think that Shador Sanders showed a lot of com- showed a strong command of this offense in this game. He was executing this offense at a, at a high level. Now, is this a particularly complex NFL style offense? No, not really. Uh, but it is he did operate did exactly what was asked of him. He operated at a high level. He got the ball out of his hands quick, got it into space into his playmakers hands. And Colorado has a lot of speed. I think that's something else we saw in this one, too. They are going to be a tough team to handle out in space. Um, so I think that they, we didn't give them enough credit. I didn't give them enough credit. I didn't give Shador Sanders enough credit. But I also think that this game was a little bit of a perfect storm um, because TCU didn't really adjust well at all in the first quarter, second quarter. Like it, they it took just, them about 20 minutes to finally yeah. figure out like, yeah, they, they were playing off man. And so they yeah. were just, they were like, I didn't, I, I, I didn't mean this like in like a, a negative way. When I said it, it was just dink and dunk the whole yeah. way down the field because that's what was there. Like it wasn't, mm-hmm. a, it was a smart game plan. I'm not, Mm-hmm. I'm not saying like, oh, you suck because you dink and dunk or anything. Yeah. That's, but they were just giving them five, seven yards every play. I don't mm-hmm. understand after the second drive why you don't sit back and go, hmm, they're just destroying us on the short stuff. Maybe we should push up a little bit on the line of scrimmage. Now, they seem to be really slow on the back end. Yeah. So I think they were just real worried to get burned, um, which, again, that – this it is very possible that we look back on this game in four weeks. Colorado has basically won one game since against Colorado State, and TCU is just sucks. And we're like, mm-hmm. okay, like there there was that that is that is very possible. I'm not saying it's going to happen, and I'm not trying to say that is what happened at all. Mm-hmm. But there is definitely a scenario where we just look back and we're like, wow, TCU sucks this year. They're going to win like four games. Yeah, I I don't think like Chandler Morris did not. He didn't look awful. No, but he, he did not fine. look. Average, he did not look yeah. good. He didn't elevate this team at all. Who? who um, what is there to elevate there, though? Yeah, that's the other point. I mean, I think they're like extremely average all across the board at wide receiver. John, yeah. John Paul Richardson, Savion Williams, uh, JoJo didn't do anything. The best, the best receiver on the team was Wiley, the tight end, who got yeah. like what six for sixty something and a touchdown. I mean, yeah, 
I don't know what there is to elevate here. This is not last year's team. Mm-hmm. I will say that. And I think I'm giving like kudos, kudos, kudos to Colorado for coming out, winning this game, proving everybody wrong. Yeah. Um, for week one here. And I thought Shador in the second half probably had the best quarterback performance of any half that I watched this weekend. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm just wondering what TCU was doing, quite frankly. I I, yeah. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, and didn't Sonny Dykes say like that they kind of look pat, looked past this game and they didn't come out ready for this game? I just saw him complaining because his, guy, his guys were cramping up and Travis Hunter played 120 snaps or whatever, which I thought yeah. was like such a weird comment in the moment. Yeah. I was like, that's what you're talking about. That's like, what you're taking away from this. Okay. Really, Sonny? Um, yeah, I, I think that, that that's a good point. Like, TCU just might not be a good team, and Colorado might be a better team than what we expected. And that doesn't mean that Colorado's going to be great. Uh, I, I think we should still approach next week with um, some, you know, cautious optimism about this team. And we can talk about that a little bit later. But for week one performances, this was this was the game of the weekend. And this was a great performance all around by a lot of guys on Colorado's team, first and foremost being Shador Sanders. I accidentally stumbled across and I put it in my uh, big key takeaways article for this week, a conversation that I had almost exactly a month ago, um, where I was actually Corey Pereira, our, our, mm-hmm. our Debbie guy who tweeted something about it, retweeted something they were saying like Shador has thrown 22 touchdowns and zero interceptions in practice or something. He retweeted it. And I, I said, I'm viewing him as a CFF, like a a big CFF guy for now only. And somebody said, you know, like, I think it's really going to depend on, I like, I, he, they're like, I think there's going to be a lot of weeks where you can't play him. And I was like, I think the volumes there's, I can send the tweet. It says, I think there's going to be enough volume that the opponent literally isn't going to matter at all. And he was like, well, then why don't we have any of the receivers ranked high? And what I said was, if we knew who the guy was, they would be top 30. But we don't know who the guy is. So we have multiple of them top 60, but you can't go any higher than that. And what happened? Just, <laughs> they spread the ball around like bonkers. The volume yeah. was insane. And the, the offense went off like this. This is what we thought the offense could be. Obviously not in week. We are who they not thought to they this were. Degree. But yeah. like th- this is what we were saying could could be in the cards for them just from a pure CFF perspective. And that is what we got, quite frankly, right up front. So yeah, it is. I mean, you you have it on, on the sheet here. There were four um receiver, four players with over a hundred yards receiving. Um, and you know, you can start with Dylan Edwards, the the true freshman running back. And I mean, he just they they had no TCU had no answer for the running back out of the flat. Um, and Dylan Edwards multiple times just caught a little dump off in the flat, made one guy miss, and then just toasted everybody. Uh, that last touchdown was the perfect example of that. They just, like you said, TCU yeah. might be a little slow on the back end, and I think they got exposed. And Dylan Edwards was the primary um, example of them getting exposed because he just just took it to the house. The wide receivers even operated exactly how I thought they would. Because I thought this offensive line would be bad. And I was like, I mm-hmm. like Jimmy Horn more because he operates towards yeah. the line of scrimmage. And Weaver was the downfield guy. Hunter was actually used uh, all over, but a little a little more yeah. downfield than I actually anticipated. Uh, and then Horn was the guy around the line of scrimmage. So it's going to be interesting. I don't know, especially against Nebraska this week. Like, I think you probably start Shador. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely not starting Edwards. <laughs> 
straight up not starting Edwards. Uh, I think that's chasing last week's points. Um, if you don't have another option, like maybe you have one of these guys that didn't really perform week one and you're kind of nervous like about what their actual rule is. Maybe we, we thought it would be bigger than it is. I could see putting a Weaver or a Horn in my lineup, but I'm not like antsy to do so i i started i i have horn in like four or five leagues i think i started him in one last week because I, mm-hmm. I didn't really have a better Same. option in that league i will probably start horn again but in a lot of other leagues i probably i'll think about it but i'm, I'm not like just rushing to put all my colorado guys in a lineup especially because i think i think nebraska is probably gonna end up being better defensively now you know just with the, the pace and everything can they can they contain these guys i don't know um, but the other problem for Colorado is going to be if they keep running this many snaps every week yeah. and they don't have any depth, if something happens to one of these guys, they are going to be in a little bit of trouble. And they, at the beginning of that game, if you watched it, were like snapping the ball with 30 seconds on the clock. They were, like, they were playing so fast. In. So I think Nebraska will be ready for that too. I'll be interested to see exactly. Uh, I don't think I like, it's not like I think highly of Nebraska. I just think they're going to be a little more well positioned. You know, this is last weekend was the Blitzkrieg for. Colorado, essentially, I think now Nebraska is on notice as to what they're going to try to do early. Yeah, now there's tape of this offense out there. And Matt Rule is a good coach. He was in the NFL. He's going to have his guys prepared for what Colorado is going to bring to them. So it's going to be a really interesting matchup. And you talk about the pace that Colorado played with. And I think that you have to go to to Travis Hunter when you when you're starting to talk about that and that rapid pace that they played with on offense. He was out there on pretty much every snap defensively too. He played what 110 total snaps, I think, something like that. Yeah, I mean a little more than that. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was like a, a 50 on offense and 60 on defense. Maybe I'm just yeah, rounding those right, numbers, yeah. but yeah, he played a lot of a lot of snaps and he looked very good doing it. He had that nice interception. He had some nice pass breakups uh, on defense as well. And like you said, they moved Hunter around and used him all over the field, which I thought was a really interesting uh, deployment of him. And we didn't really know exactly what his role as a receiver was going to be. But moving forward, if that's how they're going to use him and he's going to get 11 catches or get targeted that many times, I think his CFF value at the receiver position is higher than what I was giving it credit for. Uh, he is a player that I'm still going to have to think about how I want to evaluate him from a C2C perspective because this was a great performance. He got a ton of volume. Did he get in the end zone this time? No, but I, you know, I, I think he's going to have some touchdowns this year, which is going to help those numbers. But at the end of the day, what position he's going to play at the NFL level? And I still don't know the answer to that question. Let's go to some uh, our, our last kind of major topic here is some of these QBs that made real debuts this week. And I know Drew Allar played a little bit last year, but mm-hmm. um, you know this was his this was his first start, right? He didn't start yeah. at all last week or last year. He only came in uh, in uh, blowouts and stuff like that. Yeah, um, I thought it was a pretty good game. I thought it was a good performance. I thought it could have been better, mm-hmm. but twenty one for twenty nine, three hundred twenty five yards, three touchdowns. Um, did pretty well. He only took one sack, and I think he generally did a really good job of uh, getting rid of the ball, uh, knowing when to get rid of the ball and when to kind of hold on, shake off that that uh, defender coming at him, and get and and push the ball downfield a little bit. Uh, I don't know. I mean, you're the Penn State fan, Colin. I mean, talk to me about 
uh, drill R and don't be, don't be biased. I'll, I'll say something if you're, if you start, you know, sounding like that. <laughs> I think you summed it up pretty well in, in our Slack, like during the game when you're, when we were talking about it, I um, was chastised for my views on drill R's, uh, uh, debut. Look, it so was, it was a, it was a good, solid performance, a first year like a first performance first start in a guy in a player's career against west virginia who is a bad power five team but they are still a power five team so it's not like he was out there like some of these other games where you know they play like oregon just demolished portland state and jackson dart demolished mercer like West Virginia is a bad power five program, but it's still power five. So I think that this was a solid performance. He definitely left something to be desired though, because he was late on some passes. He threw some behind some guys where he put it in an area where they could catch it, but not in an area that like set them up for success. And there were some times where they got dropped because he didn't put it where he needed to. So um, if you just look at the box score and the stat, you know, he threw completed 72% of his passes, 325 yards, three touchdowns. That looks fantastic. Um, it doesn't tell the whole story, but the, the thing that I came away with the most impressed was his awareness in the pocket and his, his pocket presence. Uh, I thought that he looked mature for a first year or for first time starter. Yeah, it was definitely a good performance. And I, it, like playing quarterback's not easy. I mean, we saw Kyle McCord go out there and, you know, not be very good at all against probably a comparable opponent to mm-hmm. uh, to, to West Virginia. So I don't just want to say, pff, you know, yeah, you know, this this was a this was a okay performance. I mean, this this is a good performance. I think, mm-hmm. like you it's said, that there was there was a little bit of some luck involved at times. Sometimes you need that at quarterback. Mm-hmm. So again, you know, I'm not this wasn't like a super clean game, but I think there is potential that his game is never really clean. Mm-hmm. Like I think he comps most similarly to big Ben and I okay. would never, maybe in his like prime prime, I would have said that, that Ben played uh, some games pretty freaking clean. I mean, he's the only guy or him and drew Brees. I think the only guys that throw like multiple 500 yard passing games or something in the NFL. Um, but he's, he, he definitely did not play a clean style, you know, hang on the ball a little too long. Uh, make some throws maybe he shouldn't have that that would work out uh, maybe and that might just be what drew Lars. is i saw him have one in particular where i think it was either the safety or the corner came off the edge on a blitz and he tried to tackle him low and he kind of just like swiveled and like flung him off <laughs> yep. of him and, and i was like that's freaking ben roethlisberger man like it's the freaking regen we finally we finally got it it took us a few years but uh, i think he's way more ben roethlisberger than uh than josh allen i, I like I, I don't think he runs like josh allen no, that's the thing. He doesn't run like Josh Allen. Uh, you're going to get a lot of Josh Allen comps because that's like the more modern version of that um, because he and Big Ben, like Venn diagram is like fairly similar there. Like it, it's it's not a complete circle, but I know. hope not. I hope the personality <laughs> part is the part that isn't. Oh, yeah. Together. Well, that's, that's really I just meant play style. But yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I was uh, I'll be interested to see. Uh, his first real test is, is going to come against uh, Iowa and I'll be at that one. So I'm very interested to watch that one. Yeah. Skipping, uh, skipping something. That's a really big deal to me, Colin, to do that. So I know uh, I'm sorry. Very, very, very rude. Um, and taking your brother away from me too. It's just, yeah, just it's all sorts of, of rude. 
the weekend of my 30th birthday. I'm oh, sorry. 30th birthday. Um, Dante Moore, the next uh, debut here. and Didn't start, but they rotated him in. And as I said on the Key Takeaway show this week, like, what's even the point of playing college football and being like a coach in charge of a major program? If you're going to watch what those quarterbacks did this weekend for UCLA and then trot Ethan Garber's back out there, it'd just be freaking ridiculous to do that. Yeah. You, you can't do that after what Dante Moore did this weekend. Seven for 12, 143 yards, two touchdowns. Did have an interception. Wasn't a perfect debut. Mm-hmm. But I think this offense was really kind of struggling before he got in with, with Garbers there. Yes, they scored on their opening drive. But other than that, they they weren't they weren't great. I mean, just flat out. I, they, they, they struggled to move the ball. Um, didn't really look like their downfield passing game was going to be working at all. And as soon as Moore came in at one of like maybe his second or third throw, he hit J. Michael Sturdivant deep. Uh, and I knew right then, I mean, he threw for on five fewer attempts. He threw, uh, for more yards, more touchdowns, fewer interceptions, had more big time throws, <laughs> a higher a dot, um, <laughs> than than garbers i mean it just is so blatantly obvious when you watch it he has to start next week he has to start you're going to start losing a locker room if you keep trotting out ethan garbers and this dude is just playing you know fill in when when the coach feels like putting him out there yeah i i don't think you can you can't go back to garbers after after that performance and i think honestly maybe we're seeing a little bit of where Dante Moore's rumored frustration was coming from. Cause he, you know, be. this off season, it was rumored like leading up to the season that he was a little frustrated with the uh, UCLA wasn't super happy. People thought maybe it's NIL related. Maybe it's just because he was watching Ethan Garber just be dog shit in practice. And it's like, I am 10 times better than this dude. And then he goes out and shows it. And Maybe that's what maybe that's why he was upset. And, we, and we we've all been on in situations like that. Like if you've played sports before, I <laughs> yeah. remember my sophomore year of high school. Our coach was like big on like I never play freshmen, even though our freshman class was like significantly better than all the other. So we we're like, okay, whatever. Uh, then the next year to start out the first game of the season, he does not have me starting. You you know where I went to high school. Yeah. Our high school team yeah. sucks. <laughs> I was probably like I'm not even trying to like pat. I was probably at worst like the fifth best team on the kid on the team. I wasn't starting because they want, he was like, this That's kid's a senior. Modest. He's been on the team. He's been working for three years. I was like, that means literally nothing. That means yeah. literally nothing. Yeah. So and, it, it, it happens everywhere. I don't understand yeah. it. Yeah. But I, I don't think we, we see Ethan Garbers uh, again, unless something were to happen to Dante Moore, but Dante Moore um, looked good in that performance. He did look like a freshman though. There were some mistakes that he made. He had that interception. So like, you know, let's not go out here and anoint him as, you know, the next uh, first, you know, overall Too draft late. pick in his class. Because no. um, we still haven't seen Malachi Nelson yet. But we haven't um, really seen have, how many have we seen Nico? And he, I think he got a couple snaps. He had, I don't think yeah, he really he did got anything. a couple. Arnold yeah. played a good amount because that game yeah. was over by the end of the second <laughs> quarter or the end of first quarter. But uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, there you go. Arnold did the, the, the debut. I mean, you know, uh, he he i think it was like 11 for 14 um he had uh one or two touchdowns so like he had a nice performance too but yeah dante moore should be the starter moving forward here at oklahoma game is actually one of the few games that i did not watch this weekend um, i don't think you need to and <laughs> i would have turned to it at some point throughout the day until i looked at what the score was and i was like yeah i ain't turning that on that's not even worth my time uh, I don't think I missed any big takeaways, but Jackson Arnold, we don't have him on the sheet here, but he went 
11 for 11 for 114 yards and a touchdown. Yeah. Uh, I think it was, it was pretty dink and dunk because I'm pretty sure Jaquazy Petaway got nine catches yeah. this week and they were, I think all with Jackson Arnold are pretty close to it. And his eight dot was 0.4. So I don't <laughs> think they were exactly daring throws from Jackson Arnold, but I mean, heck, you know, no, uh, no, no turnovers, you know, kept the offense moving. 100% completion percentage. For, for a freshman, just retire now. It's not going to get any better than that. Um, yeah. Yeah, for a freshman, you know, true freshman, first game. Sure, why not? Good stuff. Uh, the other name that I just want to toss out real quick um, is Ashton Daniels at Stanford. This was extremely surprising. I think if you're able to catch... Nate Marquise and Nikki and Allen off on who the quarterback starter is, then you've done a very good job of concealing who you're going with. We all thought this was either going to be Ari Potts or Justin Lamson. Uh, it was neither. It was Ashton Daniels did a little bit of digging just into him. Just like, where did this dude come from? Like, how old is he? Like, did we, did the recruiting team ever look at him? He's a second year player. So like we, he would have been, he was in last year's recruiting class to my knowledge. I don't remember us talking about him. I'm sure David and Matt looked at him for the record, but we didn't really talk about him as a group. He went to Buford, which is an enormous high school yeah. in Georgia. Uh, it's where like all these stars go to come out of Georgia. So I don't know how this dude was like completely overlooked, but he looked good. I watched the first half of this game and then I went to bed, um, but he looked mobile. He had a good arm, uh, wasn't really making any mistakes. And this is an offense that we like the quarterback. I think he has a chance to really grow in the system over the next couple of years, he's a sneaky waiver ad this week, I think, because if, if your, your league mates are just going to fan tracks and sorting by points scored, they're not going to see what he did this week. Mm -hmm. He scored, I think like 22 fantasy points or something like that. Like it wasn't, you know, Emory Jones who scored what 58 or 60 or whatever. And it wasn't, um, you know, Shador, what wasn't these other guys? Um, there's a but, lot, there were a lot of big quarterback performances, so yeah, there, there were Tyson Fomachon would be above him because he's played two games, mm -hmm. uh, and he's got 30 something points, but he, he he played really, really well. I was impressed. I and here's the other thing about him that I think we should be moderately concerned about maybe him being recruited over if he's not good the rest of the year, but if that's a if that happens, then he wasn't good, so it doesn't really matter. Um, but they do have they have Elijah Brown coming in next mm -hmm. year um who isn't mobile so i'm just really interested to see what that's going to end up being like because taylor has tended to favor a more mobile quarterback if he can get one in the past so that's going to be an interesting battle uh an elite elijah an elite 11 guy did not do well at the elite 11 but he was there um and that's not daniel's pedigree at all so that'll be a fun battle but i think he's a sneaky um deeper waiver ad that if you don't you know, maybe you get one ad a week. You know, you're in one of those leagues. I got a couple of those this year that shifted to that. Mm -hmm. You know, like a bunch of people are going to pay up for TJ Finley or Emory Jones or some of these other guys. And you just, you don't want to fight over that. You want to sneak in a $2 bid. Do it on Ashton Daniels. Do it on Caden Salter is the other guy that I would consider doing mm -hmm. it on. But I think yeah. he's an interesting guy because he's got a couple years there. And if this offense grows into what we think it can be, that's a really fun player that you can get for basically nothing right now. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I definitely an under the radar guy. I didn't watch this game, so I, I can't really comment on his performance just beyond the, the box score there, but box score, you know, and it was against Hawaii, but um, yeah, it was, it looked good. 
And this is a brand new offense. They're going to break, you know, some growing pains. They're going to break in some players, but he has a reliable pass catcher that, uh, and Ben Yurisek that we'll talk about here in just one second. So um, I, I think you could do a lot worse than Ashton Daniels moving forward. And he's a guy that, like you said, we were not expecting Daniels to start. He came, kind of came out of nowhere in terms of this. Like we had heard his name was like air quotes in the competition, but nobody really took it that seriously. Uh, so he's definitely a guy that, you know, I'm going to have to add to my ranks. I'm going to have to uh, evaluate how high to put him because when it was going to be Justin Lampson, I was I was pretty interested in Lampson. I have uh, I haven't added any of the players like into my rankings yet. So how our rankings work behind the scenes is we have like a giant sheet and you can drag or drop the players mm-hmm. and then you have like a little space the at the bottom that you can and then it gets and then it goes to the website and we have like a little space at the bottom where you can just put names that like if you don't click a button, essentially, they don't get added into the group. And I've been just like slotting all my guys I want to add in after this week in there and I haven't grouped them yet. Um, so he's going to be a fun one. I don't know. Where, where do you think, I mean, you said you didn't really watch the game, so maybe you don't have yeah. a really good opinion on this call. I'm not, maybe you do. I mean, where, where do you want to put him? I don't want to presume that you, you have no idea. Um, I, I mean, it's, it's hard to say for sure. Cause it's only one game. Yeah. Um, you don't want to react to one game. Yeah. I, I did have Justin Lampson as my QB 99. Um, so just off the top of my head, I think that would be the, where I would start slotting him in. And then kind of adjust up or down, maybe a little bit from there. I'll tell you, I have, I have Seth Hennigan and Talia Tagovailoa, eighty fourth and eighty fifth. I would have no problem putting him in front of them because I think he's got a few years, and I'll gamble. I mean, again, this is one of those things where this is my rankings. I wouldn't just go out and offer Talia for Ashley Daniels. I mean, maybe I yeah. would. I don't know. I maybe depending on my team setup. Sure, why not? Um, but that's kind of the range that I'd have him in. I th- also in that grouping around there, I have um, uh, Cameron Risings in that group, DJ Irons in that group, Casey Thompson's in that group. Like it's all these guys that are kind of like Hudson Cards in that group. It's kind of like you know guys that maybe have a year left. I'd toss him in there for right now because I think that might be his value. But I could definitely see it bumping up over the next uh, year or so. And oh man, I got Clay Millen at seventy four. I didn't want to talk about it, but he looked like crap this week. I think that dream's over. I that I was so wrong on that man. Just well, just he got he got hurt, out. didn't he? No, he got benched. I'm pretty sure. Oh, okay. I thought I, I thought I, if he got hurt, hurt, then like they're probably not that upset about it because he was terrible uh, in that game. So um, I think they gave him a short leash, and he didn't do a lot to help himself <laughs> there. That one. Uh, he was not good. He was not good. So um, you live and you learn. Um, all right, just the other thing real quick. We're going to shout out uh, the top performers of the week. Um, Emory Jones, quarterback for Cincy. Uh, good for him. 59.85 points. Uh, Dylan Edwards was actually the highest scoring running back this week in PPR leagues. 43.8 points. He is, hasn't been released yet, but he's our freshman of the week. Uh, Trey Harris, wide receiver for Ole Miss. He had three touchdowns in the first five minutes of that yeah. Ole Miss game. Yeah, crazy. Forty three point three points for him, and then the tight end that uh, the the mostest this week was Ben Urasek, thirty three point three points, and he had himself a nice game catching passes from Ashton Daniels, and that's how you bring it full circle, folks. All right, before we do our waiver wire section, real quick, guys, if you haven't signed up for Prize Picks yet, head over there. Promo code C two C gets you an initial deposit match up to one hundred dollars. 
and we're giving out picks. I'm I went up last week. I I five times what I put in last week. I know a bunch of the rest of us had had winning slips as well. Early season. Get ready, giddy up. This is when you can make buku <laughs> bucks, baby, because they don't know how to price any of these guys. Believe it or not, like we, like the the people that are really into this, know, probably know more about some of this stuff than a, than the the books who are just putting, like basically punching numbers in and then it spits out something mm. and it might be bad data. And we generally know if it's bad data. Yeah. So this is um, where you make your money. All of the big people in the college fantasy community that do prize pick stuff just cleaned up last week. I, I saw it all over the place uh, and from talking to people. So mm-hmm. go ahead, sign up, um, and win some money. I, I like winning money. You should like win money too. Waiver wire. Um, so I want to first start with uh, unlimited waivers, guys. Um. These are player. Well, no, sorry. I want sorry. I want to start with limited waivers, guys. These are like the the apples of my eye this weekend. The best pickups that you can possibly find. Even if you maybe not if you have four, it's really going to depend on your team. I can't yeah. quite give you that kind of advice, right? Because um, leagues are, are just vary so much. It's they tough. do. I would say so. The three the three names we have in this category: Pafeli Ashlock, the wide receiver from Hawaii. Marcus Carroll, the running back from Georgia State, and TJ Finley, the quarterback at Texas State. I would, if I if I have four waiver pickups, and there are many leagues that I have like that, I'm going for Pafeli Ashlock this week. There's mm-hmm. top five, six, seven wide receiver yeah. for the season potential here in this offense. I think I'm and those you have, you know, a hundred dollars and, and you have four pickups. I'm spending seventy bucks. I'm spending eighty bucks. I don't give a shit. That's I'm doing it. I'm doing, I'm, I'll burn the cash. I'll worry about it tomorrow. I, I don't see why you wouldn't do that at this stage. The only argument that I could hear against it is that Pinocchio hasn't played yet, but they don't play the same role. So yeah. I'm not that worried about Pinocchio when he comes back. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Uh, I think he, it, um, uh, Ashlock is probably the top ad of the week. Um, if you need a quarterback, TJ Finley, it would be right there too. But I, I think Ashlock, especially given the fact that he is a uh, freshman in terms of eligibility, retro freshman, I think that is that's that's going to be huge too. Um, because this Hawaii offense, it seems like they're just going to sling the ball all over the yard, play some terrible defense, be in high scoring games, and that's what we want for fantasy purposes probably going to be that way for the foreseeable future as long as timmy chang is there so you know i know we try not to predict too much into the future with um you know uh, with the way the portal is nowadays and and all these conference shakeups and realignments and everything but i would feel pretty good about Pafeli ashlock moving forward this year and for the next couple of years um and then yeah marcus carroll right back towards the state we talked a little bit about him. I was the special guest on Chasing the Natty this week. We talked about him in that episode. I'm a little uh, a little lower just because of the history there. They tend to like two backs. Um, but he got basically all the carries this week, so uh, pretty good rushing offense overall. I think he's an interesting guy. I don't know, I, Colin, do I, you have any thoughts on him? I, I He's worth an ad for sure. And like I said, it, we, we have him in the, the limited waiver category here, but I'm not sure that I'm always going to rush to get him. I might let other people spend up a little bit on him. Uh, I'm not going to go crazy on him. Like I, like we talked about for Ashlock and, and even, you know, kind of along the same lines of Finley, who we'll talk about here in a second. But one thing you'll notice with these lists as we're talking is there's not very many running backs and Marcus Carroll got 
20 carries and I don't have the stat line pulled up here in front of me, but I'm pretty sure the next closest running back on the team had one carry running back wise. Now Darren Granger runs a decent amount too. Um, but it does seem like Marcus Carroll is going to be the guy. And now it was a soft matchup. We'll see how it shakes out moving forward. And they play somebody who's maybe a little bit tougher. Do they rotate it a little bit more in the backfield there? It's hard to say, but I would feel pretty comfortable having him be, I don't want to say my top ad. He would probably still be behind Feli Ashlock, even if I needed a running back, but I could see in putting him over Finley if you really need a running back. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, let's talk about unlimited waivers, guys. These are guys that we think are, are obviously less priority. If you have unlimited, you can just say screw it. And if you have a couple of roster spots to, to maneuver with, you, you can do it. But um, they aren't like slam dunks, in my opinion. I think there are still some questions. Uh, Dion Burks, wide receiver for Purdue, had himself a very nice day uh, in their loss to Fresno State. Uh, Eric Brooks, I, I, I like him a little bit this week. Uh, wide receiver from Fresno State, uh, 170 yards and a couple touchdowns for him. Drake Dabney, the tight end from Baylor. Uh, big week for him. Let's see here. Uh, six catches, 101 yards, and two touchdowns. Now, this is a guy who has been around for four years and – Basically, he has 48 career targets. He had nine of them this week. So, you know, could this be just nothing? Potentially, potentially. But I think in deeper tight end leagues where you might need a guy, you could do a lot worse than him. Uh, Lincoln Victor, wide receiver, Washington State was their leader on the day. So I think uh, something to monitor. DT Sheffield did play, but I still don't think he's quite right. He didn't get a lot of snaps for them. Uh, and then Kyron Lynch. Adams, a running back for UMass, who had an okay day against Auburn, which is quite frankly great for the running back from UMass when they're playing Auburn. Yeah, I, I was the one who added um, Kyron Lynch Adams, the running back for UMass, onto that list there. And look, when we looked at, we talked about UMass back in the Independence. This is a very, very soft schedule outside of Auburn and Penn State. And he put up 101 yards against Auburn. Now, he didn't get in the end zone, which does, but that hurts for a running back, especially if, if you're playing PPR. Um, but next week, they get Miami of Ohio. Miami of Ohio just got gashed on the ground, let up like over 200 yards. I think it was close to 250. After that, Eastern Michigan, who let up 200 yards to Howard. Then he gets New Mexico, Arkansas State. Those teams are all both terrible. Toledo, Penn State, obviously, you're not going to play him against Penn State. The Army, Merrimack, Liberty, and UConn. Like, I, the only game for the rest of the year where I think is a definite sit is Penn State. And I think he could be a decent option in some of those other games. So it's part of it's the workload for me where Lynch Adams was the bell cow there. He got 15 and 14 carries the past two weeks. Uh, Fomachon is probably going to siphon off some rushing yards, maybe even a rushing touchdown here or there. But He's pretty much the focal point of that offense between him and Fomachon. They're going to run the ball, and it's a very, very soft schedule. So that's why he would be in the unlimited ad for me, not just a watch list. But I, I think you, if you really need a running back, he's a guy that I would, I would look pretty heavily at in unlimited waivers. For sure. Um, watch list guys that I think, you know, depending on what your league is looking like and how much fob you have and and how many claims you get, I could be convinced on any of these guys. Kate on Salter, quarterback of Liberty, looks like he has the job, which is moderately surprising. 
Um, Xavier Henderson, the wide receiver from uh, Cincy. I think he's a big athletic raw guy, but could fit in well with Emory Jones a little bit. Jalen Buckley, the running back at Western uh, Michigan, who is, I believe, a second-year freshman, um, but ran the ball 30 times for 190-something yards uh, there. Jamal Bell, wide receiver at Nevada, had a pretty good game against USC, so that's that's interesting. Was their their leading target guy Robert Lewis at Georgia State? Uh, probably they're going to be their leading receiver this year. Daniel Jackson had 16 targets this week. Could he be alive again there at Minnesota? Uh, I don't know. That's interesting. I, I think that passing it that that passing attack is going to be uh, questionable for me. Uh, could they support a guy? Sure, we've seen questionable passing attacks support a guy before in college, but it doesn't make me feel great. Noah Thomas at Texas A&M had three touchdowns this weekend, and I think he's a nice. Uh, counterpoint to the other wide receivers they have there. So he could be productive this year. And then Chris Mitchell, wide receiver at FIU, um, had a really big week. They switched quarterbacks here for week two. The offense uh, threw for more than what six yards, I believe, is what they threw for in week one mm-hmm. or week zero. So uh, a better performance this week. And Mitchell was the beneficiary. Uh, I'm not quite ready to crown him yet, though. Uh, because I am a little worried that this offense, this could be a, I, which week I, I know the quarterback switch, but which, which week is closer to what we can expect every single week, week zero, week one. I don't know. It's going to be, that's a tough one for me. Yeah. I still would approach that with a, some, some healthy skepticism. Um, but I think he's definitely worth a watch list at this point, just in case that switch at QB does, you know, liven up that passing attack a, a little bit because it's, it is a fairly soft schedule for for FIU. You know, maybe there's a game or two where if he starts to put a couple of games together where maybe you don't feel terrible starting him at some point down the line. But that's we'll look we'll look at that later. Just a watch list for now. Um, let's get into our start sits, Colin. You scored last week. Do you want to announce how, how the two of us did? I knew as, as I was watching the games, I was like, <laughs> I did not do well in week one. Um, I was, I was watching those at the games and I was keeping track. I was like, I think I did. Okay. Um, and I, I did, I did all right. 11 for nine, uh, 11 and nine. Um, you went seven and 13. Um, you're, uh, I think what, what really ended up hurting you was, was some of your, was, um, your sits or your starts. I mean, yeah, the starts were not, were not yeah. overwhelmingly great. Yep. 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 Yeah. Um, but you did get the better on me on Daquan Finn. Uh, and we both missed on Shador Sanders, but I did have Emory Jones, who was the high scorer of the week. So some give and take all around. Exactly. Exactly. Um, all right. So let's get into this week's starts and sits, Colin. And before we do, I, I'll give the the little set, the little spiel I do. Um, not to be confused with Jared spiel. Each week <laughs> we uh, pick 10 starts, 10 sits. We do not share our list with each other ahead of time. Um, if we have the same player, you know, a couple of overlapping players, that's okay. Uh, these are non-obvious starts and sits. So we're not going to tell you to start, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. Although that could be in jeopardy here in a couple of weeks. Um, <laughs> we're, we we're telling you to start some deeper guys and we're telling you to sit some guys that, that, you know, maybe you, you had just penciled in and st- at starter and, and kind of forgotten about. So at least make you think about it a little bit. Uh, as we get more data, this will get more data driven. I think right now, still with only one week under our belt, mm-hmm. as weeks as week one was, it's a little more vibes based, uh, kind of what we feel. All vibes on. only. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, without further ado, Colin, do you want to go first on starts? I'll go first on sets. 
Yeah. Yeah. That sounds okay. good. Cool. Um, my first start this week is a player you said to sit last week and we're correct on Jeff Sims quarterback, Nebraska. Um, you said to sit him last week against Minnesota in that windy game. It was a great call. He only had 11.6 fantasy points. Uh, this week he gets Colorado. Uh, Colorado allowed 262 yards on the ground, uh, sixth most in the country. And I, I think that this Colorado defense, the way you beat them is going to be to run the ball. And Nebraska is going to take note of that. They saw that last week. Jeff Sims is the best runner on Nebraska. He had 19 carries last week for 91 yards. I think we could see him go for over 100 yards and probably like two touchdowns this week on the ground alone. We'll see what he ends up doing in the air, but that's going to be enough to be a start. All right. My first start this week is TJ Finley. I'm rolling him out there this week against UTSA uh, and not – I mean, UTSA, I think defensively overall played fairly well against Houston last Mm -hmm. week, but I think there were also – uh, big plays that Houston let on the board. I think at one point in our our slack or in our 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 Discord, I said like I I think I think Houston's about to open up a can on UTSA, and they never could quite like get that big play to separate the two of yep. them. But I do think I I think this this offense is dangerous. Quite frankly, with GJ Kenny there, I expect another nice week out of TJ Finley. I like that call. Uh, my next start is Nathan Carter, running back for Michigan State. Uh, he, he looked pretty good last week, uh, 18 carries, 113 yards and a touchdown. Um, Jalen Berger had eight carries. Now he did have a touchdown, but he only had 24 yards. Look, Jalen Berger, he's just not it. And I think Nathan Carter is the best running back on this roster. I think Michigan state is, is going to realize that. And they started to realize it last week. He got the bulk of the carries and he's going to get the bulk of the carries again this week against Richmond, uh, Michigan state. Not a, a great team, but they should run all over Richmond. Uh, I like Nathan Carter to have a big week. Uh, I'm starting CJ Donaldson this week. I, I'm going to put him back in after. Well, we both said sit him, and then West Virginia <laughs> went on this stupid long drive that shouldn't have happened, and yeah, and uh, he ended up scoring a touchdown, and that basically broke it for us. That was annoying. Um, but he's got everyone's favorite mispronounced name here at c2c duquesne on the schedule duquesne <laughs> the dukes uh cj donaldson has 100 yards and a touchdown a half uh i could definitely see that i i strongly considered him uh but i ended up going with garrett green uh i'm gonna start garrett green in this one pretty um, well this weekend too all, all things considered yeah, all things considered, he did he did pretty well. He you know it wasn't great throwing the ball at times, um, but he had 15 carries, 71 yards, and a touchdown on the ground. Uh, and I think we could see him run all over Duquesne. And Duquesne's pass defense obviously not going to be as good as Penn State's. Penn State has a very good pass defense, objectively speaking. Um, so his passing numbers should look a little bit better. And then you add the running in on that. And I think Garrett Green is going to have a big week. I concur. Uh, I'm starting. I picked a tight end for both categories. Whoa, yeah. you're getting weird with it. Yeah. Uh, I, do we have a point set? I feel like it should be fewer than 20. It should. Yeah, it record. should be fewer than 20 and 15. Um, that feels good off the top of our head. We can, 
We'll go 15 for now. We'll we'll maybe look at some things potentially adjust. No, that's all I heard. That's all I heard. We're good. Jared Wiley, TCU tight end uh, against Nichols here. I and mean, he was the constant for them in the passing game. I expect uh, a similar performance to this week. Six for 60-something yards and a touchdown. I think he's going to be up for that most weeks. I think he'll be pretty consistent around there. Obviously, the touchdown, can't always count on it. But I think he'll be around that that amount. Yeah, I think 15 counts as a start because six for 60 and a touchdown is that's a good performance from a tight end. Like you're happy with that. And that's about 18. So don't tell me what I am and I'm not happy with Colin. Uh, but if either of us starts abusing it, we can assess all tight ends next week, baby. Yeah. <laughs> What's the uh, sit? What's the sit range for tight ends? <laughs> that's where you can get real good with them. Yeah, that'll be interesting. We'll have to figure that one out. Uh, my next start, though, is Demir Blankemsey, wide receiver for Memphis. Uh, he had a nice nice week last week, six for 98 and a touchdown. Uh, and then they get Arkansas State this week, who just got absolutely demolished last week by Oklahoma. Um, Oklahoma quarterbacks went 30 for 33 for 422 yards and three touchdowns. Um is that bad defensively? <laughs> is Seth Hennigan, uh, Dylan Gabriel, or Jackson Arnold? No. Can he also shred Arkansas State? Yes. And if he does, uh, I like Blankemsey as well. Blake Watson, obviously, like the big guy to play from this after that performance, but that's too obvious at this point. So I like Blankemsey. I also have blank MC actually. Sorry, I thought you just said Hennigan, but I also have blank MC. Yeah, he, uh, he had a pretty good week. I, I kind of flew under the radar a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, okay, so my uh, next start here is Monty Bailey, uh, running back for TCU versus Nichols. Um, like he had 14 for 164 uh, last week. And like I said, Colorado was very soft on the ground. I expect Nichols State to also be very soft on the ground. And Yes, Trey Sanders had those three touchdowns, but Amani Bailey's fumble, I think, cost him some carries in that game a little bit. Early on in the game, they were really using Bailey. Um, so I think at worst, Bailey is the 1A in this backfield, and in a game like this, I think he's going to have, have some big games. And he can also break off a long touchdown run, so we could see him get in the end zone. Um, my next guy here is Lincoln Victor. Um, I forgot to mark down who Washington State plays. Oh, it's Wisconsin, I believe. Um, I I don't think Wisconsin's defense is super scary, and I think with the nature of the offense that they run, uh, it doesn't really matter. It's just a good amount of volume, and I'm counting on DT Sheffield still not being quite ready to go and be unleashed 100%, so I still think Victor will be, uh, quote-unquote, the guy this week again. All right. Uh, I have... Elijah Gilliam, running back for Fresno State. I almost um, put him down. Yeah, he uh, last week, kind of surprisingly, like you and I both on Malik Rashad, and Elijah Gilliam had 20 carries to Sherrod's eight. And that game was like kind of back and forth. Um, so it does seem like they're going to be using Gilliam as the primary ball carrier in this if, moving forward. But... It doesn't necessarily matter that much because they're playing Eastern Washington. So Fresno should run it up on them. So I think Sherrod, I'm probably not starting him this week, but 
you know, if you're in like a 24 team league and you have Sherrod, like I think they could both do pretty well. But Gilliam is the guy it seems like we want moving forward. So I'm going to fire him up this week. I'm starting Dalvin Smith B versus HCU. I don't know what that stands for, <laughs> but I I think they're not going to rush Corley back. Mm-hmm. Like I would even start Smith at wide receiver. I see. Like, okay. I'm, That's I'm what I was going to say. Tight end. I mean, I would start him at tight end pretty much every week. If I, had I would play. start him at tight end I, every week. I would start him at wide receiver flex this week uh, and, and feel uh, pretty good about it. He was the guy when Corley went down last week. I think, mm-hmm. I think Corley sits again. There's no reason to have him play in this one. Yeah. Um. And so I think Smith, and the other thing is with Matheson out, they don't have that much really going on at wide nope. receiver. It's a lot of inexperience. Um, Smith's really the, the, the guy. So I, uh, I like him. Yeah, no, I think that's a good call. I, um, especially because you can't, you put the caveat as a wide receiver. So we're going to score him as a wide receiver, but I, I, I started him at wide receiver or flex in multiple leagues this past week, and it worked out fine. I actually don't know that I started him at tight end in a single spot. I probably could have, but I, I did not. So I think the leagues that I have him at tight end, I have him. I also have like either Gadsden or Urasek or somebody. So yeah. like I was starting a wide receiver. No, I started I, him at tight end. You want to hear about arrogant in one of my leagues? Uh oh. No, not really arrogant. <laughs> somebody started Jolly at tight end, and yeah, then flexed Urasek. <laughs> I was like, why did you not have somebody else better than Jolly that you could have flexed and put Eurosec in a tight end spot? They beat me. They beat me too. <laughs> um, but That's I was worst. just like, this is like, why, why did you start Jolly when you could have just put Eurosec in there? Very, very odd starting decision, but it's fun yeah. when some of those things work out. Interesting. Um, my next start here is Antario Brown and gavin williams oh uh-oh. uh-oh both of them running backs northern illinois uh they get siu this week southern illinois they get the salukis battle of illinois um salukis salukis, salukis <laughs> we definitely know what school that is yeah um yeah they uh they get antario brown gavin williams in traditional niu fashion 15 and 16 carries in the win last week against boston college who i mean that was surprising like boston college isn't good but surprising that niu was able to beat them um and this game against siu game script is going to be much more in their favor they're i think both of these guys are are going to be in line for 15 to 20 carries 100 yards uh a touchdown or two so i, I think both of these guys are going to have big weeks I'm starting uh, Samuel Brown against Rice, Houston wide receiver. Hmm. Okay. He, so again, it's like week one. So you're kind of like, how much should I count on what everybody's role is this week? And was it more game plan specific, opponent specific? But they were using Brown on the deep stuff, essentially golden on the possession stuff. Um, they, were, they were looking for Brown deep early and often. Uh, and Rice looked really vulnerable. And granted, it was Texas, but they looked right. very vulnerable deep this week. I think there's some... Uh, big plays to be had in this one for Brown. I think he catches at least one long touchdown and, and probably has a handful of other catches too. So uh, I like him this week against Rice. Okay. Uh, my next start is Thomas Castellanos, uh, quarterback for oh, Boston College. Ballsy. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Emmett Moorhead went four for 10 for 30 yards, got benched. 
Castellanos came in um, nine for 67 and a touchdown on the ground, but through the air, he was okay. Um, you know, and, and I didn't watch this game, so maybe he, maybe it's just a little bit of stat line chasing, but 13 of 28, not great there, but 138 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. They get Holy Cross this week. Holy Cross is an FCS opponent. Thomas Castellanos is going to be more athletic than every single player on Holy Cross's field uh, side of the ball, most likely. So I expect him to have a huge game on the ground. Uh, if I have Castellanos, I'm firing him up. I am starting Tyron Smith this week, which I, you know sounds like an obvious name, but he's not been very good. He's not been heavily targeted through two weeks. That whole passing offense has not been very good. They put it together this week, UTEP will, against a – uh, Northwestern team that, quite frankly, pro Colin probably would not be able to stop you or me out there. Yeah, that was a bad, bad performance from them. Uh, my next start is Kyron Lynch-Adams, guy we just talked about adding. Um, if you have him, I'm starting him. They get Miami of Ohio this week. Miami of Ohio allowed 250 yards against Miami, Florida. Now, it is Miami you know, Florida, it's, it's a good team, but Kyron Lynch Adams, like I said, 15 carries 79 yards, two touchdowns against New Mexico state, 14 carries 101 yards against Auburn. He's going to be the focal point of this offense. Miami of Ohio is going to have a terrible rush defense. Uh, I'm going to start Kyron Lynch Adams. Miami of Ohio talked an inordinate amount of shit for a school <laughs> that was just so obviously about to get blasted. I don't remember the last time I saw that happen. Um, I mean, it's good fun. Respect. With us, but, Respect. Um, whatever. Um, my next guy is Kobe Pesor. I think he showed that he can be the guy that steps up. And it's very obvious at this point, the NCAA has zero interest in expediting any sort of appeal for yeah. players, even though, you know, the season has started, you know, like maybe, maybe they would have tried to get things done by the deadline. So why would, they? um, yeah, I, I don't even know. I would love to know what their like bureaucratic process is on these. Like, I would just love to know from the moment an appeal is like written and like, I don't even know if they let you submit it online or if you have to mail it. Oh, it's probably mailed. It's probably mailed. I would love to know what the process is from step one to step, what I assume is step 1,572. <laughs> um, because it's just mind-boggling. But I, Pesor, I think, um, you know, he, he almost had 20 points this week, I think, in full PPR mm -hmm. uh, leagues. And I think uh, I think he's – well, and Nate McCollum didn't play last week. I haven't heard if he's going to play mm -hmm. this week. That could uh, eat into that a little bit, but – I think he's clearly the guy there at this point in time. Yeah. Um, so my, I have, this is my last one. I have another guy written down just in case you say this one doesn't count. Okay. Doesn't count. Uh, but cause it is, it is a little bit of an obvious name, but it's the matchup. So Jaden Ott running back for Cal going up against Auburn. You're starting him. Yes. I am starting Jaden Ott. Okay, I have him as a sit, so this is going to be a face-off. Uh, okay, all right. I'll, I'll allow it. I'll allow it. Okay. Allow it. Give me that I mean, <laughs> So I, I had a backup just in case, um, but because I, I didn't know if you would allow that one. But okay, yeah, Jaden Ott, running back, Cal. I'm going to start him this week against Auburn. Uh, I mean, Auburn just let up 140 yards rushing to um, UMass. And California... They're not a great team, but they're better than UMass. So I think it's possible that Auburn is just not going to be a great run defense this year. And Jade Knott went bonkers last week. Um, 20 carries, 188 yards, two touchdowns. 
Um, he also had a catch for 13 yards, um, but he was pretty much the the main running back there. I mean, um, we, we know Byron Carball's out for the rest of the year. Justin William Thomas isn't back. I can't even pronounce the other guy that they had there. Um, so they they kind of he had 20 carries. I think he's going to be the, the bell cow. And I'm not scared off by this Auburn matchup. Okay, I'm starting my last guy is Xavier Henderson versus Pitt. Because I actually think this is the kind of guy that if you already have him rostered, he can give Pitt some trouble. If you don't know what Pitt does defensively and what Narduzzi does defensively, um, the defensive line is always insane. Like he drafts very good D line, mm-hmm. or he, he recruits very good D linemen and he develops, develops. D linemen extremely well. Pitt has just churned out NFL D linemen over the past couple of years. The problem is that the defense basically just, you have two corners on the boundary and they just say, good luck. And I think Xavier Henderson is a hard guy to do that with because if they can't, if the if they're, if, if on a particular play, the D line does not get there, Henderson is, they're just going to, they're going to throw it deep to him and he can go up and kind of bully a, a corner who's sitting on an Island. So I think he gets one or two of those probably scores a touchdown on one of them. And that gets him to the points that he needs, sadly. All right. I um, think Pitt wins for the record. Still think Pitt wins. I would, I would, I, I think they will too. Um, my, Honorable mention, my 11th guy uh-huh. that I came up with just in case was LJ Martin uh, running back for BYU. I feel I feel the opposite on him. I don't have him as a sit this week, but if you mm-hmm. actually go and look at the snap percentages for last week, they played like the same exact snaps. I don't know why, weirdly, Martin just got all the touches. I don't know if that was game plan specific or what, but I would not advise people to start LJ Martin this week, frankly. They play Southern Utah, and as long as he's getting like the splitting snaps evenly with Aiden Robbins. Is that who played Arizona state last week? Uh, no, I don't think they played an FCS opponent last week. Southern Arizona Utah. State, oh no, it is. It is Arizona state. You're right. Southern Utah Thunderbirds. Call. <laughs> I assume that's what their, that sound their mascot makes. Can't say for yeah, sure. Sure. No, it's probably like a lightning sure. crash in there. Like, or something yeah. Cool. Um, but they let up uh, 135 yards to Arizona State last week combined. So yeah, Scat- Scatabo was bullying some dudes. I did yeah. see that. Yeah. Um, all right. So I'll go through my um start sits or my starts uh in order. So first, Jeff Sims, quarterback, Nebraska, uh, Nathan Carter, running back, Michigan State, uh, Demir Blankemsey, wide receiver, Memphis, Amani Bailey, running back, TCU. Garrett Green, quarterback, West Virginia. Elijah Gilliam, running back, Fresno State. Um, should we have put him on the the ads list? Potentially. I want to see more. I want to okay. see more out of him. I guess we probably should put him as a watch list guy because he okay. could blow up later in the season. That's a that's a good shout. But I okay. I wouldn't advocate adding him this week. Okay. Um, Antario Brown and Gavin Williams, running backs for NIU. Thomas Castellanos, quarterback for Boston College. Kyron Lynch Adams, running back UMass. And Jaden Ott, running back Cal. All right. And I, mine were TJ Finley, quarterback at uh, Texas State. CJ Donaldson, running back West Virginia. Jared Wiley, tight end, TCU. Demir Blankemsey, wide receiver, Memphis. Lincoln Victor, wide receiver, Washington State. Dalvin Smith, wide receiver slash tight end, Western Kentucky. Sam Brown, wide receiver, Houston. Tyron Smith, wide receiver, UTEP. Kobe Pesor, wide receiver, UNC. Xavier Henderson, wide receiver, Cincy. 
All right, on to the sits. Colin and I get to lead us off here. I am sitting all of my Texas AM AM running backs this week against Miami. Every single one of them. Not starting okay. uh, Le'Veon Moss, not starting Amari Daniels, not starting Ruben Owens, because I don't think they know who the guy is yet. And I don't think here's a dirty little secret about that game this, that they played this week against New Mexico State. They didn't run the ball well in that game at all against that opponent. A little sketchy on the ground. I'm not going to trust any of their uh, rushing attack until I see it for a couple of games. So no Texas A&M running backs. Don't put them out there uh, against Miami, who, quite frankly, I don't even know if they're great against the run or not, but I think they're going to be fine in this one. Um, I am going to sit Connor Wegman, the quarterback for Texas A&M. It's Miami this week. He was insanely efficient last week 18 for 23 263 yards and five touchdowns that is more than one touchdown every five pass attempts um that is unsustainable um and this game totals at 51 i think this is going to be a little bit of a low scoring game i think both of these teams could struggle to move the ball a little bit um so i am not starting connor wickman and i would also second your don't start the running backs i'm not starting javon harvey this week and i'm not playing him again until i see him have a week for old dominion where he gets volume i don't care i didn't even write down the opponent oh yeah i did it's ull ul i don't care what who the opponent is and i wouldn't advocate starting javon harvey i gotta see it now burn me with a big old donut in a couple of leagues this week i think it could be tough to start anybody for old dominion um because they, they, as we said, it's possible they just line. suck. Yeah, it's their offensive line mean. just is is rough. Yeah. Um, my next sit is Dylan Edwards, running back, Colorado. Don't don't do it. Don't fall for it. Don't fall for the overreaction. Uh, he had five catches for 135 yards and three touchdowns on the ground. Like that's not that's not repeatable. That's not going to happen every week. Um, they play Nebraska this week. Nebraska is not scary, but like we talked about a couple times throughout the show, I think Nebraska is going to be ready uh, for the short passing game. And I think that's going to impact Edwards the most. Uh, and also he just didn't really get like the snap percentage and the volume that you would want to see to feel comfortable to start him every week. So I'm sitting Dylan Edwards. I'm sitting Jordan Curley this week against Oklahoma. Another guy that I think, you know, we thought a certain volume would be there and it could have just been the opponent for SMU, but I now need to see it for a week before I'm going to roll Curley back out there. I also have Jordan Curley down. I have Jordan Curley in several places and got burned several times. So I'm with you. I need to see it. He only had three targets, two for five. I'm sitting to Quinton Jackson now and for forever until I get a big game out of him. Burned me last week, a little jerk. So uh, Utah's offense without Cam Rising, and I haven't heard one way or the other as to whether he plays this week, but I'm assuming I'm assuming no for, for right now. And even if he does play, I don't think he's going to be as mobile. Um, but the offense, they need the quarterback to run a lot more without Rising there, and so it kind of nukes the the upside for the running backs there. Yeah, I, I don't have Jaquinta Jackson, but I would also advocate. I don't have him as a sit, but I would also advocate sitting him until we see what's going on there, uh, which hurts because I have Jackson in, in two leagues. Um, and I started him, even though I said as a sit last week, I started him in one place where I didn't really have a choice, and it hurt. It burned. Yep. 
Yep, yep, yep. I don't have any Jaquin Jackson for the record. But. My next sit is Samson Evans running back for Eastern Michigan. Um, they kind of struggled uh, with, I think it was Howard. Um, I believe it was, yeah. Yeah, they kind of struggled with them. They got out to a little bit of an early lead, and then Howard came back. They only ended up winning by 10. Um, but they also kind of struggled to run the ball uh, with Samson Evans there. He ended up with like 16 carries, but it wasn't very efficient. They get Minnesota this week, much better defense. Uh, I think the game script is going to be very uh, negative for Samson Evans. Uh, I'm not starting him this week. I too am sitting Samson Evans. All right. Uh, my next sit is Frank Gore Jr. Running back for Southern Miss. Uh, they play Florida State this week. So that's like a big factor right there in and of itself. But just something else to note moving forward is he actually didn't even lead the team in carries last week. He had six. Rodriguez Clark, the transfer from Memphis, had nine. Um, I think ultimately Frank Gore will Frank Gore Jr. will be fine. But it is something to kind of keep an eye on. But really, they play Florida State. Game strip's going to be bad. Don't, don't put them out there. I'm sitting Jade Knott, as I mentioned earlier. I'm not going to fall for it. Last season, he was awesome versus the two or three really bad opponents they played, and then he was absolutely unplayable against everybody else. And I'm predicting that's exactly what we get this week against Auburn. Um, all right. I am sitting Brennan Armstrong, uh, quarterback for NC State. Uh, he had a nice week last week, but... Pretty much all that came on the ground, 19 carries, 96 yards, and two touchdowns, 17 for 26 for 155 yards through the air. That is kind of problematic. They get Notre Dame this week. Um, Notre Dame has only played two cupcakes so far, Navy and I think East Tennessee State or something like that. Um, but they've only allowed six points, a field goal in both those games. Uh, Notre Dame is, I think NC State is a little bit worse this year than what they were last year. Uh, and I think Notre Dame can take Brandon Armstrong away on the ground. That's a good one, I think. And I have him a couple spots. It's uh, a good reminder to to go check on that. Uh, I'm sitting. Tell me if this counts or not, and I can find another name real quick. <laughs> I thought that George Takis would be a pretty good tight end option this year. But Boston College was terrible last weekend, and I think they're going to be terrible all season. Uh, I have him in a couple leagues in like shotgun leagues where I was like, mm -hmm. he could be like the third guy that I rotate through a couple times this year. And now I'm like, I'm, I'm literally, I actually, I have a waiver in a multiple leagues to cut him. I just think, he, I think it's over with them. Is that, is that count or is that too low? Um, I'll find somebody else if it is. I have him in a couple places. So I was, he's somebody that I was kind of counting on at tight end potentially, but. So how's this for a deal? We include tactics. I have an entire game except for one player that we in, as one of my entries. Is that mm -hmm. is that a fair enough balancer that's in fair. this? Okay, that's fair. Okay. That's that, fair. That, that's my next one on the list, actually. So that's fair. Um, because those are tough. Those are tough. Okay, so yeah, we'll we'll allow tactics. Um, that brings me to R.J. Harvey running back for UCF. Uh, he is a guy that. I thought would kind of be the bell cow ish for UCF. They do kind of spread the ball around a little bit there, but he actually, he got out touched um, last week by Johnny Richardson, um, 12 carries. Harvey had 10 
Plumley had eight, so Plumley's always going to get some some carries. And they beat they beat up on uh, Kent State, so maybe it's a little bit of game script. I'm not panicking on Harvey yet. I'm a little bit worried, but they play Boise State this week. And don't let last week against Washington fool you. Washington's just a really good team. Boise State is actually a pretty good defense. Uh, they were 26th last year in defensive rush success rate. So I think Boise State and UCF, I think this is going to be a good game. Um, but I, I don't trust Harvey. That's probably because dudes were too afraid to break through the line of scrimmage and see JL Skinner standing there. <laughs> I wouldn't want to mess with that dude. No. Um, he's in the NFL now. So here, here it is for you, Colin. I'm sitting everyone in the Iowa Iowa State game except for Luke Lachey. I I I was thinking about that as well. Actually, no, no I had Caleb a feeling Johnson, that's you were going. none of the guys for Iowa State. Um, you know, I, I don't know if there's anybody else on Iowa you'd want to start, but no one in that game. And quite frankly, uh, Iowa State, Iowa State ran the fewest plays last week by like a good amount, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially for Power Five teams. I think that's going to continue. Is they both teams are going to run like twelve plays in this game. It's good. This game's going to be stupid. Um, but I, I think the I, over under is like thirty six and a half, which is like is. borderline like uh, service academy lines. I think oh, Iowa had one last year that got to like thirty one or something like that. Yeah, and I think it. I think the under hit. I think I bet it maybe. No, I, I don't know. know. I remember there was like they had one that was very high. low. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. but late Lachey is just like. I'll, I'll, I'll like he's just gonna get the volume. Yeah, they're, they're just gonna throw to him a bunch. Mm-hmm. All got a touchdown last week. I thought he looked fine. You're throwing gonna... so, you're throwing a lot of tight end analysis out here. What can I say? My name's they don't call me Austin Chris Moxley Nace for nothing. <laughs> uh, my next sit is Roman Wilson, wide receiver for Michigan. Uh, he had six catches for 78 yards and three touchdowns last week. He had all three of JJ McCarthy's touchdowns. McCarthy threw 30 times. They against ECU. They get UNLV this week. Um, I don't see JJ McCarthy throwing for more than 30 times this week. I think game script against UNLV can also get out of hand. Um, and I don't think he's going to catch another three touchdowns this week. I think that I, I don't fall for that with Roman Wilson. I've seen some people starting to hype him up a little bit. Uh, I'm not buying it. I'm sitting. Jaleel Farouk, Colin. I'm sitting him everywhere this week. Don't trust him. Can't trust him. I I considered putting him on the list. Um, I couldn't bring myself to do it. That game was out of hand in the sec in like the end of the first quarter, which is the only thing that is like kind of saving my thought on Farouk. I mean, I just you guaranteed me a thousand yards at the beginning of the season. We're not starting off so hot on that train. Just saying. Is it a thousand all purpose? <laughs> he had 10 rushing yards. Oh, now we want to re- rearrange the terms of the deal. Uh, he had 10 rushing yards. Get out of here. Uh, my next sit is Carson Beck, uh, quarterback, Georgia. Uh, they play Ball State, so that's like a really soft matchup, but they are just aren't going to have to throw the ball. Uh, he doesn't really bring much with his legs. Um I I started him in one place last year. It was like a 24 teamer. Um, so I uh, I'm not I'm not starting back. I think he could potentially be be decent moving forward, but not in these not in these soft matchups like that. My last one is Devin Wasson, which is so fun to say, and I'm bummed. Uh, <laughs> I just don't trust South Alabama uh, passing at this juncture until I see it a time. 
uh, I'm not starting Boisson again. So bye-bye, Boisson. I almost put Boisson on here, uh, but I put them all last week. Um, so I didn't want to put them this and week. to be to be uh, whatever for the audience transparent to transparent. Thank you. That's the word. Okay. Colin said sit all the South Alabama wide receivers last week and one of them technically hit 13 points. <laughs> we said the cutoff was 12.5, but it was such a daring one and it was so close and you wouldn't have wanted those 13 points anyway, probably yeah. that. Uh, we gave it to him, and then you gave me one that I was like right on the edge of as well. So that's how we uh, negotiated that out. But yeah, you had one that was twelve point seven. Um, I don't remember who it was, but yeah, you had, you had someone that was it was twelve point seven. We negotiated close ones. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yeah, we did. Um, my last sit here is Jalen Milrow. Um, he had a big week last week. It was two touchdowns on the ground, but. I don't trust Jalen Milrow. I think that this is going to be a close game, but I don't think it's going to be that high scoring of a game with him in Texas. I think Texas has a pretty good defense, pretty good front seven, uh, and they're going to try and, and force Milrow to beat him with their arm. And I don't know if he can do that, but I think they're going to really take away his his ability on the ground. Uh, that's good. Oh, let's, uh, let's name our, uh, our sits real quick. I'll, I'll kick us off here first. Uh, so I'm sitting all of the Texas A&M running backs, Javon Harvey, uh, wide receiver, old dominion, Jordan Curley, wide receiver, SMU, Jaquindon Jackson, running back, Utah, Samson Evans, running back, uh, East Michigan, uh, Jade Knott, running back, Cal, George Takix, tight end, uh, Boston college, Luke Lachey, tight end, Iowa, Jaleel Farouk, wide receiver, uh, Oklahoma, Devin Voisson, wide, uh, yeah, wide receiver, South Alabama. I am sitting Dylan Edwards, running back, Colorado. Samson Evans, running back, Eastern Michigan. Frank Gore Jr., running back, Southern Miss. Cor uh, Connor Wegman, quarterback for Texas A&M. Uh, Brennan Armstrong, quarterback, NC State. RJ Harvey, running back, UCF. Roman Wilson, wide receiver, Michigan. Jordan Curley, wide receiver, SMU. Carson Beck, quarterback, Georgia. Jalen Milrow, quarterback, Alabama. I have four quarterbacks on my sit list, which I just realized, which is probably not the smartest. No, nope, that's not that's not sound strategy, Colin. It's not. <laughs> this week's sits were really tough, honestly. There's a lot of cupcakes out there. I I did have more issue with sits, but not like I had last week. I thought last week was incredibly hard because everybody plays nobody. And I think this uh, week's even worse with everybody playing nobody. Interesting. I don't, I don't know that I agree, but could be, could be. I don't know. I, I, I think cause we have one data point now that I can point out and say he did nothing last week. I don't want him. I, that, that, mm. that might've made it a little easier for me this week. That's true. That's true. All right. Well, that, that is going to do it for tonight's show guys. Make sure you're checking out everything over at, campus to canton.com if you are looking for weekly rankings and projections we've got them over at c2c available to all members as little as 2.99 a month you can get your weekly uh information uh to help you with your start sits uh check out everything else on the podcast feed the youtube channel you know how all of that goes we will be back next week with campus life if you didn't check out the new canton bound do so this week good crew taking over for that the south Harmon 40 chess guys Till next time guys i'm austin and this is Colin. Have a good one.